everyone wants to get more sleep, and there are a ton of different sleep hacks out there, noise machines, meditation, earplugs, which I do, but you can immediately transform your sleep with Bowl & Branch. We have Bowl & Branch sheets in our house. They're in white. They are so soft. In fact, we say all the time, but they really do get softer with every wash. And the sheets also come in a really pretty box, kind of wrapped up like a present just for you. They feel buttery and breathable to start. And again, as Motion and I always say, they get softer with every wash. Best of all, it feels a little bit luxurious every time you slip into bed. These best-selling sheets are also made with the finest 100% organic cotton. They are completely free from toxins, soft yet super breathable. There's a 30-night worry-free guarantee so you can wash them, style them, and sleep in them for an entire month. And if you don't really love them, you could send them back right away. And again, they're made without toxins. There's no synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. So sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl & Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS at bowlandbranch.com. That is Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. That promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, for 15%, off your order. Hey everyone, it is Thursday, September 22nd. I'm Moshe Wanunu and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. We try to read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. I hope everyone had a great September 21st, if you know what I'm saying, a great 21st night of September last night. We have 365 more days until we get to do it all over again. A quick reminder before we get started to check out yesterday's special edition podcast with legendary documentary director Ken Burns. I spoke to him and his co-producer all about their new series on the U.S. and the Holocaust. I know you will find the conversation as fascinating as I did. And even if you're a history buff, a World War II history buff, you will learn a lot. I certainly did. So you can check out that edition yesterday. With that, here are the stories we're tracking today. Russians have taken to the streets as President Putin is calling up 300,000 more reservists for his war in Ukraine. We're also tracking some escalating and violent protests in Iran. President Biden addressed more than 100 world leaders at the UN General Assembly in New York yesterday. Russia was one of his main topics. The Fed has officially raised interest rates again as it seeks to combat inflation. We'll tell you if there's any sign it could let up soon. Staying on the economy, we'll also have some gas price news for you today. And we finally learned yesterday who the winners are of that $1.3 billion summer Mega Millions jackpot. Well, we sort of learned who they were. Okay, I want to start in Moscow, where Russian President Putin ordered a partial mobilization of up to 300,000 reservists on Wednesday. It is a risky and deeply unpopular step that follows a number of humiliating setbacks for his troops after nearly seven months of war in Ukraine. This is actually the first such reservist call-up in Russia since World War II and is being criticized across the world and among some inside Russia as an act of desperation by Putin. The move has sent some Russians scrambling to buy plane tickets. Uh, We've seen prices for tickets out of Moscow going in the tens of thousands of dollars. That comes as also hundreds of Russians took to the street, brave Russians who are braving potentially 15 years in prison to protest the war. Putin made the announcement that he's calling up reservists in a seven-minute address to the nation. He also warned the West that he is not bluffing over using everything at his disposal to protect Russia. That is an apparent reference to his nuclear arsenal. 
Russia has been struggling to replenish its troops in Ukraine as they've suffered a number of major losses over these past seven months and setbacks in recent weeks as the Ukrainians have been taking back a whole bunch of territory. The Russians have turned in recent weeks to some of their prisons to recruit soldiers, but they clearly do not have enough. According to the Kremlin decree, and by the way, some of it is still being kept secret and Russians are skeptical, but as of right now, this would only apply to reservists in Russia with previous military experience. Officials there said that they would be given additional training before being deployed to Ukraine. They won't include students or those who are currently conscripts, but the fear is that this will expand. Uh, it's been interesting to follow some of the coverage out of Russia and to follow the Google search trends, Google searches in Russia on how to break your arm skyrocketed after his speech. I mentioned those protests. We are seeing some photo and videos coming out from across Russia, including in Moscow, in St. Petersburg. A Russian human rights group called OVD Info says that more than a thousand Russians have been arrested at protests in 37 cities across the country. That news out of Russia comes as we learned Wednesday also that 10 foreign fighters, that includes two Americans, a couple Brits, were released by Russian authorities in the Donbass region of Ukraine. This was part of a prisoner exchange between Russia and Ukraine that was put together by the Saudis. The Saudis have good relationships with both Russia and Ukraine. The two American veterans who were released uh, are named Alexander Druck and Andy Hun. They're 39 and 27 years old, respectively. They were both fighting on behalf of the Ukrainians and were captured at some point in June, held by the Russians, and released yesterday as part of that prisoner exchange. Staying with the war in Ukraine, that was one of the main topics President Biden addressed during his big speech to the UN General Assembly on Wednesday. He called on world leaders to stand in solidarity with Ukraine and oppose Russian aggression. He condemned the Kremlin's invasion and noted that it's particularly concerning given that Russia is a permanent Security Council member. Here's a bit of what Biden said yesterday. This war is about extinguishing Ukraine's right to exist as a state, plain and simple, and Ukraine's right to exist as a people. Whoever you are, wherever you live, whatever you believe, that should not, that should make your blood run cold. The president went on to say that Russia has, quote, shamelessly violated the core tenets of the UN Charter, a reminder that the UN was put together after World War II, and a handful of countries, the victors, determined themselves to be permanent card-carrying members of the UN Security Council. That is the US, the UK, France, Russia, and China, and the UN Charter cannot be changed unless one of those countries changes it. So the idea that Russia could be kicked off the Security Council or uh, lose its permanent status uh, would actually require the Russians to vote in favor of kicking themselves off, which is impossible. One thing that Biden is urging the Security Council to do, though, is to expand it. They are limited, though, by some of these rules that were first put into effect after World War II. Beyond Russia, Biden addressed several other subjects. He did say that the U.S. will be addressing a rise in global food prices with new aid, and he addressed Iran, vowing that we will not let Iran get nuclear weapons. Okay, we have some legal news for former President Trump. We've been monitoring multiple investigations on the federal level and in multiple states. New York's Attorney General, that is Letitia James, came out on Wednesday with a sweeping civil suit against the former president, his business, and his three eldest children. That's Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka. 
As part of this suit, Letitia James said Trump, quote, falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to further enrich himself and cheat the system. She said that he repeatedly and persistently manipulated the value of his assets, this includes his apartments, etc., cetera, uh, to induce banks to lend more money to the Trump organization. This is a huge announcement. It comes after three years of investigation by James and her team. But remember, this is a civil investigation, not a criminal investigation. So Trump will not face prison time here. But James and the state of New York are seeking multiple things as part of the civil investigation, including a cancellation of Trump's business certificates. It's a move in New York known as the corporate death penalty. She's also seeking a permanent ban on Trump and his kids on serving on any corporate board, a five-year ban on former President Trump buying any commercial real estate in the state of New York, and $250 million in penalties. As part of her press conference on Wednesday, James said that, quote, claiming to have money that you do not have does not amount to the art of the deal. It's the art of the steal. That's a play on Trump's memoir, Art of the Deal. Letitia James said her office believes the conduct outlined in the civil suit also violates federal criminal law, including false statements and bank fraud, but her office is just dealing with a civil investigation. She said state investigators will refer criminal issues they discovered during their investigation to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, as well as the IRS. For their part, Trump's team has been calling this politically motivated all along. They say James, who is black, is a racist towards Donald Trump. And I should note, this was the case we've been telling you about all summer, where Trump most recently sat for nearly six hours, pleading the fifth the entire time. Given that this is a civil investigation, that evidence, the fact that he pled the fifth, can be used against him. A reminder that when it comes to civil versus criminal, she only has to prove, the state of New York only has to prove a preponderance of the evidence makes him guilty. That's as opposed to a criminal case that the state would have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. So effectively, they have to make a case that 50.1% of the evidence leads to Trump being guilty. Okay, a bit of economic news for you. This is the story we've been tracking all week. The Federal Reserve on Wednesday officially raised interest rates by three quarters of a percentage point. Yet again, it is the third consecutive hike of that size. Now, typically, until we got to these most recent months, the Fed typically plays with a quarter percent, 0.25%. But recently, given the concerns about inflation, they have been increasing month by month now by 0.75%. And it extends a streak of aggressive hiking that they're, again, trying to cool demand within the economy and finally cool down inflation. The federal funds rate, that's the one that the Fed controls, is now between 3 to 3.25%. The rates range is now the highest since 2008 in 14 years. The hike now lifts the rate above 2.5%. That's the, what's considered the neutral rate, where they're neither trying to stimulate nor restrain the economy. Now that they're above that 2.5 number, it means they are actively really trying to restrain the economy. It was at near zero rate for a very long time, especially during COVID. And now we're seeing some real interest rates. Remember, the federal rate here is not the rate you see everywhere. This is kind of the benchmark rate. And then that controls and leads to higher rates for everything from auto loans to mortgages. And the bet here is that the Fed believes the economy is strong enough to deal with these higher interest rates. Uh, the big concern is as you raise interest rates, you could impact other things and lead the economy into a recession. They believe they are able to raise interest rates without leading us to a recession, though many people are skeptical, including J.P. Morgan Chairman Jamie Dimon, who came out saying he is actively concerned on Wednesday about the Fed leading us towards a recession. Okay, we got news on Wednesday that we finally know who the winners are, sort of, of that $1.3 billion Mega Millions jackpot that was drawn in late July. 
Lottery officials in Illinois yesterday said that two people have claimed the prize. The pair opted to take the lump sum payment of $780.5 million. They are splitting that $780 million between the two of them. It is the nation's third largest lottery prize in history. And because of Illinois law, they will remain anonymous. Remember, each state has a different law. Some states demand that lottery winners have to reveal their identities. In this case, Illinois is one of those states where you get to remain anonymous. As to why it took nearly two months for the winners to claim the prize, lottery officials in Illinois said that they have spent months working with professional legal and financial advisors to support their claim and prepare for their uh, nearly $781 million. I guess they'll split that between themselves. So they'll each have a, a good amount of $300 million plus that they're taking home with themselves this year. They're going to have to pay some taxes on that significantly, but uh, they should be pretty well set up. Uh, for this generation and future generations if these anonymous two have children and grandchildren. Okay, one more foreign story we're tracking. Iran is currently experiencing a near total internet blackout. The government has blocked the internet as mass protests have taken to cities across the country over the death of a woman who was held by the country's morality police. They arrested her for not properly covering her head, beat her up. Uh, it led to her death. That has really set off a very young population. Nearly 70% of Iranians are under the age of 25. They are very upset with this. This is their last straw. This comes on top of economic duress and other limits. The new president of Iran is an ultra, ultra conservative who's been trying to enforce these morality laws. Iranian officials say that the measures to block the internet are taken out of security concerns. The loss of connectivity will make it more difficult for people to organize protests, share information about the government's rolling crackdown across the country. Demonstrators have really escalated uh, things in recent days. It went from protesting the death of the 22-year-old woman, Masa Amini, over the Islamic headscarf issue. They have now some protests, and this is a video that's uh, coming out, are calling for the downfall of the Islamic Republic itself. The protests are happening across the country, including in the capital of Tehran. Police there fired tear gas at protesters. The protesters there were chanting, death to the dictator, and I will kill the one who killed my sister. Other footage I've seen show some protesters chanting women, life, freedom. You can see others setting up bonfires, scuffling with police, and some women removing and burning their headscarves. Really a uh, quite a courageous act in Iran where that could be punishable by death. All right, back here on the home front, gas prices ticked up for the first time in 99 days. We had nearly 100 days of price decreases from those peak prices over $5 uh, per gallon in June. They've been coming down for the last three months, but finally uh, the uh, drops ended yesterday as prices slightly increased from $3.67 to $3.68 a gallon. That's according to AAA. The decrease in gas prices over the course of the last couple of months have been giving Democrats hope that they could do better in midterms. Gas prices, huge thing when it comes to midterm elections. We'll see what happens here. Triple A says that there are a number of factors that are pausing the drop in gas prices. That includes increased concerns about economic recession. We told you about the Fed increasing interest rates earlier. Hurricane season, which could impact oil refineries and oil production, specifically in the Gulf of Mexico. And there's a larger oil price war happening globally. And uncertainty, never good for oil prices. So as oil prices come up, that then leads to gas prices down the road also going up. 
Okay, I wanna end here with hope on that NASA mission to the moon that was postponed a couple times uh, in late August and early September. NASA's been testing things. This all has to do with a hydrogen leak, the fuel needed to get the rocket around the moon. They held a practice run yesterday and they were able, after some initial troubles, to finally troubleshoot the problem. The test on Wednesday aimed to demonstrate that engineers can transfer vast amounts of super cold propellants, liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen. When those substances are super, super cold, they're very prone to leaking and so uh, NASA has been having trouble trying to stop leaks ahead of rocket launches. Well, it turns out that yesterday's test was successful. It gives NASA hope they might be able to launch this rocket, Artemis, as soon as next week. A reminder that the Artemis mission is the return to the moon. The goal is to return to the moon 50 years after we last set foot in, on the moon back in December of 1972. This initial rocket will go around the moon. It'll be a six-week mission. It'll actually go farther than we ever have before. The goal, this is an unmanned Artemis launch, uh, is to test things like radiation and make sure that the uh, capsule is safe for astronauts to then go up in the next two years. So this empty rocket will go up if everything is successful. As soon as next week, uh, they still have to run a few more tests. And then the goal is that within the next two to three years, they will do additional missions initially with uh, human astronauts, American astronauts back uh, around the moon in two years and then land on the moon as soon as 2026. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. I'd love your feedback on how I'm doing, what you want us to cover. Email me over at podcast at mo.news. You can also subscribe to my newsletter, the Mo News newsletter, over at monews.bolton.com. And please follow me over on Instagram at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. A reminder again to check out yesterday's conversation with Ken Burns and his co-producer on the U.S. and the Holocaust. I know you will find it to be a fascinating conversation about history. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to the show on whatever app you're listening to us on and review us in the app store. Every review makes a difference and continues to help us grow the show and move up the ranks. I'll see everyone back here tomorrow.